Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm at home in my house in one of the upstairs rooms with my Bible open to Joshua chapter 6. In Joshua chapter 6 and 7, we have the account of the Israelites' victory over the city of Jericho. After Joshua's encounter with the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus himself, God gave Joshua specific instructions as to how Jericho would be defeated. Jericho was the first city that they faced in the Promised Land. And as such, part of the Lord's direction to Joshua was that nothing was to be taken from the city when they occupied it. The entire city was to be an offering to the Lord. It was the tithe, if you will, the first fruits offering of the land that was to be devoted to him. It belonged exclusively to God. And we see these instructions right here in Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse 17. It says, The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into the treasury. So, sure enough, when the walls of Jericho came down and the Israelites rushed in to secure the victory, there was one man named Achan who saw this beautiful Babylonian robe, some silver and a gold bar, and took it and stashed it under his tent. After this, it says that Joshua sent spies to the next city, a small, unwalled town called Ai. And these spies reported that then this is going to be easy pickings. So Joshua just sent 3,000 of his men who went to Ai and who were utterly defeated. Dozens of men were killed, and they were chased out of the city and humiliated. After their victory in Jericho, this was a complete blindside. So then Joshua cried out to the Lord and asked, So what happened? And the Lord reminded him of his instructions regarding the devoted things of Jericho and said to Joshua, There's sin in the camp, and that that sin had brought about their own destruction. Ultimately, Achan and the things he had taken were discovered, and he and his family and all his possessions were destroyed. Now, there's a reason that this story is so important as we talk about transformation. We've been viewing Israel's experience from captivity in Egypt to the occupation of the Promised Land as a picture of both the Spirit-filled life of every believer and the church corporately in our journey together to see the kingdom of God expand into every place that's been occupied by the gates of Hades. The church has been given the mission of discipling nations and advancing the kingdom into all the world. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be operating in unity, as is pictured by the crossing of the Jordan River and the monument of 12 stones compiled by each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Fervent, focused, and unified prayer must be lifted up as we submit ourselves to the commander of the Lord's army. 
But what this story warns us about is that we can be doing everything right. We can be experiencing miraculous victories. Walls are falling down. Ground is being occupied. And seemingly out of nowhere, all of a sudden, defeat and death. We get blindsided like Joshua and the people of Israel. So how does this happen? How can this happen? God told them that this happened because there was sin in the camp. This is the third paradigm of transformation. That is this, that sin and unforgiveness are the primary roadblocks to transformation. Therefore, repentance and forgiveness position us to experience God's blessing and power. God doesn't want us to be blindsided. So we need to understand the role of repentance in our lives. I don't think anyone would argue against the reality that the Bible calls not only unbelievers, but believers to repentance. But this is where there's often a lot of confusion in understanding the connection between repentance and experiencing the fullness of God's blessing in our lives. Now, some of this confusion is understandable because there are obvious questions like, if I'm forgiven through the blood of Jesus, why do I need to repent? Does sin separate me from God? Does holiness result in blessing? And if it does, does that mean God's blessings are given based on my performance? If that's the case, how can I know if I've been good enough? And where does grace fit into all of this? What I hope to do over the next several podcasts is to find answers to those questions and more. But today, I just want to leave us with one thought. There is a law of sin that is like the law of physics. For every action, there is a reaction. Every sin has a consequence. And that's why God warns us away from sin. He loves us enough to say, don't play ball on the freeway. You'll get mowed down. If I took a machete and lopped off your arm, I may feel intense regret and fall down before God and ask for forgiveness. I might ask you to forgive me, and you may even be gracious enough to forgive me for lopping off your arm. But it won't change the fact that you'll now have to live the rest of your life without an arm. Aiken's sin didn't just affect him, but his entire family and his entire nation. Joshua records that 36 men died at Ai and that the whole nation was humiliated. Achan's whole family was put to death because I am connected by the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ. My sin affects you and vice versa. Achan lost the battle on behalf of the whole nation. My family will experience defeat because of my selfishness, because of my pride, my greed, my lust. Satan lied to Eve in the Garden of Eden by saying, the fruit of that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, won't bring death. It'll make you like God. And his lie was that God was not good, that he wanted to withhold a good thing from Eve. And this is the same lie we believe today when we willfully do what we know God says is wrong. It's like we're saying, what do you mean, God, that this won't satisfy? What do you mean that this won't fulfill me? 
But let's be reminded today that God is good and has shown us both the path to life and the promised land in which he desires for us to dwell. And yet, God has placed warning signs along the path so that we don't bring about our own destruction like Israel did, like Achan did. Those warning signs are for our benefit and are signs of God's goodness. For Romans 2.4 says that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Let's heed the warning signs as we move together into the promised land. Amen.